seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Good evening or morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode five of the full 40 minutes with Chris and Rob, a not so serious podcast about Villanova basketball. We are here giving you a fan's take on everything relating to Villanova basketball, the Big East, and anything else that happens to come into our mind as we sit here and podcast from Chris's apartment. So we are recording, what, about 36 now, not even 36, 24 hours after yet another loss for Villanova. We had to pause. We couldn't do another recording right after a bad loss, so we took 24 hours to process. We're still probably not in a good headspace, but we're going to give it a go anyway. So here's what we have on tap for you. First, we're going to do a little game recap, as painful as that may be. Second, we're going to do a little bit of a look ahead as we close out the Big East regular season and see what else is going on around the conference. Third, we want to talk about some of the other big news that's going on in the NCAA relating to this ongoing FBI probe and a lot of the news that came out in the past few days. Pretty interesting. And then, well, we'll see where we'll take it from there. So with that, obviously... Villanova picking up another loss yesterday to Creighton. I frankly didn't see it coming. It took me a while to process, like I said, but here we are. Chris, what do you think? So I was, I expected, oh, I thought it was possible that we would lose to either Creighton at Seton Hall on the road. The old adage, hard to win conference games on the road. You play the full round robin. It's not easy. However, when you get to 68-60, 4.30 left in the game, I'm thinking to myself, all right, time to make the winning plays down the stretch and close this baby out. And I've been thrilled with the win because it was gritty. It was a hard game. To, it, was, it was a tough game. It was well played by both teams, I thought, up until that four-and-a-half-minute mark, and we just happened to you know, get out to an eight-point lead. But when you're the number three team in the country – with four and a half minutes left, you have to win the game. I don't care if it's on the road, hostile environment, this, that, and the other thing. I get that. You're given an eight-point handicap. You're like, okay, for four and a half minutes, we're going to roll the ball out. And can you win? Like, yeah. Like, your answer would be yes. I would expect to beat any team in the country if you're up eight with four and a half minutes left. Like, would you sign up for eight up eight in the national title game? against any team in the country? Yeah, you would. And again, it's on the road, so it's a little bit different. But Creighton is not exactly... Creighton's not at full strength. Creighton's... Oh my gosh, I think it's overlooked a lot. Cause it's, and we've talked about it before on the podcast. We said, look, Creighton's a good team. Going to be a tough game. Whatever. Creighton is down. They lost one of their starting forwards probably a month or so ago and to a torn ACL, which is a, a big loss for them. So fine. They're down a guy. Uh, they've got this guy... Uh, Ronnie Harrell, who had subbed in and actually become a starter as a result of that injury, and he was out this game too. So they're effectively down two starters, while at this point we're saying, oh, this is a, a effectively healthy Villanova team. I, yeah, it's not. it wasn't healthy all the way. Phil Booth had 21 minutes, so clearly not all the way back, and I thought that was clear on the defensive end, and we'll get into that. But this game... 
a lot of people, if you watch the game, you probably have some complaints about the refs. Those complaints might be justified. There was the there was the missed shot clock reset. You had that mystifying play with like a minute left in the game. I think it was in overtime where Jalen let the ball roll and they started the clock. Then you had the intentional foul, or I guess a flagrant one. Oof. There's no intentional foul. It's just a flagrant one or two, I guess, at this point. And Booth got called for the flagrant one, which I didn't agree with, but I could at least see what they're going. If, you're, if you have a complaint about the refs, I think that's a justified complaint. That being said, the refs are not the reason we lost the game. No, the refs, the, aren't, the refs aren't the reason we lost. The reason we lost the game was because down the stretch in regulation and in overtime, Creighton made winning basketball plays, and unfortunately, we did not. What do I mean by that? We couldn't make key stops when it mattered. And with Phil coming back, the defense is bound to improve, no question. But as long as you got Jalen and Dante, especially I think Dante does it way more than Jalen, but Jalen, I've noticed, of late tries to make a, tries to make the home run pass interception. And you have Spellman getting lost defensively in, in the rotations. You're going to break down, and it's just I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit concerned here about what that means for the for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, what do you think is so? Yeah, obviously we've got some things that that still have to get worked out. And I remember after the Providence loss, we discussed you know what do we think? Does this change anything about your your potential your view on the potential of the team? And I said at that point, I don't think it does. I said, oh yeah, we've still got some things we need to tweak and definitely some things to improve. But at that point, it looked like you could go back and you could come up with various excuses for the losses that we had. Oh, you had people hurt or, or this or that. And, and last night Butler was— Butler shot 68%. But, yeah, Butler shot you know, through the roof. It was crazy, right? This game, that just wasn't the case. You know, it was—we look back on it, and they just did a lot of things well. Now, now that said— if Dante hits, you know, if this plays out a little bit differently, Dante hits the free throw at the end, and assuming McCall gets the same stop, we're having actually a very different conversation. Yeah, we're saying right? that the team won a close game on the road, and we're commending the guys for making the winning plays to, to, to win the game. And actually, we're saying that they defensively actually had a very good game against an offensive juggernaut in Creighton. Yes, but that's not what happened. It's not what happened, yeah. That's not what happened, and... Yeah, you can say those things, and that's great. And there's a lot of I think I don't think we played poorly yesterday, whereas I thought we played poorly in the St. John's game and poorly in the Providence mm. game. I don't think we played poorly yesterday, but but we didn't make winning plays. And when you when you fail to make the winning plays, that really kind of that really that actually does start to worry me. And when we're talking about the NCAA tournament, I did I look back on our schedule. We are five and four. In the nine games that we've played, decided by less than ten points, we're five and four. That doesn't exactly bode well. You wouldn't expect that out of a team that's been top five pretty much all year. I think we started the season out of the top five, but quickly have been in there all year. So, so you're talking about a one seed maybe falls down to a two seed NCAA tournament team. You would expect that they have a very strong record in close games because yes, we do get teams best shot. But I don't want to hear the we get the team's best shot excuse anymore. Yeah. I expect that. Yes, that's why I said up front that I expected to lose or I expected to potentially lose against Creighton or Seton Hall coming up. 
but you don't expect to be in a position where you have a very op- good opportunity to win and don't. And so when you so when you take a step back, you say, okay, close games. You're going to play close games, and you have and you have these teams who are your Super Bowl, right? Guess what? From here on out, every game is Super Bowl for every team. You have to be prepared for it, and we haven't been to date. Right. So let's recap those games, by the way. Under 10 points, Western Kentucky in the and Tennessee back in uh, the Bahamas tournament, um, which Western Kentucky might make the tournament. Tennessee's a pretty good team. That was a pretty good win. We came back. It was a huge comeback. Yeah, it was a huge comeback right out of the gate in halftime, which was great. Then you had, then you had LaSalle, which was a horrible game to watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was surprising. Was, to yeah, me. That, that, was, was that was weird. Terrible game, but we did. We won that game. And then you had St. John's at St. John's in the first matchup where we won that game. And then you had Marquette game. And the Marquette game, I thought, was that was a gritty, that was a really gritty win. That was a tough environment. Yeah. And that was great. Unfortunately, you have the Butler game, which we'll cast that aside because that really, that ended eight points, but we were down like as many as like 23. So that was like a, a, an attempted comeback that wasn't completed. But then you had St. John's, Providence, and Creighton, all games that we could have won that were close games at pretty much the entire game, and we did not execute. So five and four, not a good look. And then we're three and three <laughs> in the last six games. So do I have some concerns about the team's capability to make winning plays down the stretch? I do. And you're going to be in some of those games. Like we can shoot the ball really well in the tournament and blow out a couple games, like blow out a couple teams like we did in 2016. But you're going to have those games where where it's just a rock fight. And can we count on this team to get through that? You go back to 16, and I'm very guilty of this. 16, you can easily go back and say, oh, Villanova shot the lights out, and that's why they won the tournament. That's part of the narrative. If you go back to especially those last few games, Kansas, that game was brutal. But the defensive schemes we used and how tenacious those guys played was incredibly impressive. They really shut down Kansas. And the game that you easily point to as the biggest offensive explosion is the Oklahoma game where we scored over 90 points, right? Which is amazing in and of itself. But we won that game by 44 points. The implication is defensively, it was amazing. That 2016 team was a defensive stud. Yes. They knew what they were doing. They were locked in. And we, while offensively, we probably have about the same upside as the 2016 team. Probably if a not higher, higher upside. If not higher. Defensively, it's just, you know, it, it's two totally different teams. And maybe part of that is Spellman, you know, we, we like to compare, hey, Spellman's this great recruit, right? Spellman is not chef. They're two completely different players. And he's definitely not senior year chef who was no. able to control everything on the court. If you, and, and this is... Probably we're all guilty of this sometimes. I know I am at times, but trying to compare Spellman and Chef is apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Chef was a 6'10, 6'11, freak athlete, wasn't a shooter, back to the basket type of guy, great post defense, outstanding player, especially. His vision, the, the passing was unreal. Like Jay says he was the best big man in the 2016 tournament. He's not wrong. Spellman this year is a great player. Awesome three-point shooter changes the way we can play because he could stretch out the defense from that perspective. But you can't expect Chef. You can't expect Omari to be. It's not fair to no, expect no, Omari not. to be your chef. 
Absolutely. He's six eight, so it's not it's not even like height wise. It's not even the same. I do. If you're asking me, am I concerned? I am definitely more concerned today than I was 48 hours ago before watching the Creighton game. I thought after Xavier, I thought after DePaul, with Booth back, that we are going to be making. Okay, this is it. We're we're like rounding into shape. Booth is still not fully back, so the jury's still out. But anytime you go into a tournament and you're saying, if we shoot well, we can win the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you're. That's automatically you. You got risks. You got a risk. Yes, if we shoot well, and if we go out and we do shoot well, which we know this team is capable of doing, and they can do it for six games in a row, no question. This game is. This team is absolutely capable of winning the tournament. I still think that very much so, but I don't feel comfortable relying on that. That's my point. No, it's fair. So obviously we've got the NCAA tournament coming up. A little bit closer, we have the Big East tournament is kicking off very soon as well. And this week is obviously closing out the the regular season. So maybe let's do let's switch gears a little bit. Obviously plenty of stuff we can we can nitpick from the past game. Let's look forward. Let's talk about what we've got coming up this week. We've got a midweek game against Seton Hall, which should be pretty interesting. Obviously going to be tough there. And then we do get to close out the regular season with Georgetown, thank God. They're horrible. They're a little bit less horrible than they were, so we'll get to that. But So we've got, we've got two games left, some other interesting stuff going on around the Big East as well. I think we probably also want to look at what Xavier doing this week, right? Yeah. So a couple things. With losing to Creighton, we picked up our fourth Big East loss of the year. Before that game, had we won out, we would have won. It would have been guaranteed. We would have won the Big East regular season again. And the way it works is if we split, like, you can be co-champions. And then we get the one seed because we have the tiebreaker in it. But it doesn't mean that we win the championship and they come in second place. It just means for tournament for Big East tournament seeding, it's 1-2. And that's how they that's, – that's their tiebreaker. The point is that – by losing to Creighton, we've now kind of left our fate in Xavier's hands. So who does Xavier got coming up? So they got. So wait. Got, so so Xavier, they really close out the season on a tough <laughs> note. So I'll I'll start with their last game. Their last game, they've got they've got a real doozy. They are playing DePaul yeah. next Saturday. So, that's that's going to be a tough one. So, the Struce might be loose again. I don't care how loose the Struce is. If Xavier lose that game, I'll be shocked. So, <laughs> so, so, then, so then they're playing, what, Providence? Providence midweek. Providence at the Sinta Center. Yeah. At the Sinta Center. Um, you know, so they're, so they're, they got Providence at home uh, on Wednesday. So you're basically looking at that game. We need to win out. We need to beat Seton Hall at Seton Hall on Wednesday and beat Georgetown on Saturday. Yeah. And Xavier has to lose one of their last two games to wind up in that tie spot. Given that Xavier's at home against Providence, they are way at the Paul. I don't think it's going to matter. The, the expectation, unfortunately, is that they're going to end up winning the Big East championship this year. How do you feel about that? I, I personally don't like it. Now, a lot of people are probably going to say... Who cares if we get a one or two seed? No, 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 how do you feel about like? How do you feel about the fact that somebody else? Don't you feel at all good that somebody else is competitive with us and has actually taken the step 
to beat us in the Big East. Like, that, I, look, as much as I'm disappointed that we didn't win, I'm actually kind of glad. It's showing somebody else, like, got their shit together, and they beat us. That makes the Big East a little more interesting. Yeah, but the thing is, is, and this is what the media will say, is, yeah, Xavier won more games in the conference, but do we think that Xavier is better than Villanova? And they'll say no, because the two teams played each other, and Villanova destroyed them both times. So, so it's kind of a weird dynamic on that front. That's the one thing that, that kind of if – if we went to Sintas Center and they beat us, right, and because of they won that game and then we both won out and, and, they, and because they won that game, they won the conference, yeah. I'd be a little bit more like, okay, good. Xavier got their crap together they, and they won and we have competition in this, in this conference. And, yeah, we took more losses since the new Big East started. I think we had – Two losses each of the first three years, three losses last year, and four this year. So, so yeah, we took we took more heat this year than ever before, and we still got a tough game coming up against against Seton Hall on Wednesday. So it could be as many as five. To that extent, I feel a little bit. I, I get your point. I don't feel. I'm pissed that we're not going to win the Big East, or or that we have a. Or that looking like we're not going to win the Big East. Mm-hmm. The only upshot that I feel is living in New York, is that now I can't play hooky at work to get off to go see the noon game on on Thursday, which I hate that. I can't stand that that's the case. It is really horrible. Yeah, I don't understand why the one seed has to be playing the noon game it, on yeah, a I never Thursday. Yeah. Right? Shouldn't you give the one seed the most advantage by playing at night? I don't know. But, but so, we'll be the, so if we're the two seed, then we get to play the night game. Um, or the night lineup, which will be great because we'll, Villanova will that'll be a de facto home game. Villanova fans will shell out for that, and they'll show up, and, and that'll be fun. So that's the one upshot, right? And then you also play the later game on Friday if you win the if you win the Thursday game. But it's looking like that the seven ten matchup is going to be Marquette and St John's, and it's frightening. Yeah, Ugh. St. John's oh beat us God. at Wells Fargo Center, and then Marquette has played us tough twice. Marquette is a – they really, as we've discussed, they really get up for us. I'm, I'm, I'm still done with Marquette. <laughs> I'm still done with them. I can't stand them. They lost – they lost – I forget who they lost to this weekend, but they lost this terrible game this uh, They weekend. lost to DePaul. Did they? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so that's Marquette in a nutshell for you, but I guarantee if we have to play them, they'll shoot the lights out and – you know, it'd be another game with Wojciechowski on the sideline, going compete, compete, like, and sweating through his jacket and all that stuff. And oh, man, I I'm not looking forward to that game, but I am looking forward to seeing the Cats live on on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, all right. So so prediction is we're saying we think Xavier wins both games and they wrap up the Big East regular season title. I think that's what happens. I think that's what happens. Yeah. Do so. Better question: Do we win both games this week? I think we will, and for no other reason other than we haven't lost two games back to back in like a million years, and so I just think that the guys will come out fired up, and I think we'll shoot well against Seton Hall. Seton Hall is actually the way they're made up is not all that dissimilar to how Xavier's made up, and we play well against teams like that. Yeah, we haven't had too much trouble with Seton Hall of late. Um, Although this game, the game at home was actually a pretty tight game for a while, yeah, and right, then we kind of right. blew them out towards the back end yeah, of that game. No, it was yeah. You're, you're, the score wasn't totally indicative of how the game went down. But 
But I think that every game that Phil comes back and gets a little bit more warmed up will be a little bit better. So I do think that I do think that will be fine. I I think we'll win. Yeah. I think we'll win. I think I think it's an eight thirty game. I think you'll have Villanova fans in the building. I think it'll be tight early, and I think we'll end up doing the same thing we did at Wells Fargo when we pull away and and win that game. What's your final score prediction there? Uh, eighty five to. 78. 85-78. All right. I say it goes a little bit lower. I'll go uh I'll go uh, we'll go 82 82-67. Wow. Big that's a big win. That's a big be a great win. It would actually be a nice defensive win too, but we'll see. Yeah. Um okay, so that's that's Seton Hall. We also let's quick touch touch quickly on Georgetown. Georgetown as we like to note Definitely not a great team. They're rebuilding. Patrick Ewing, let's give him some credit. Interesting scheduling approach, but they've picked up some wins. They've definitely been playing a bit better and a bit tighter games as of late. So some positive traction there. They've got a couple guys to watch out for. Jesse Govans, their their main scorer, their big man. So what do you think? How's that play out? And this is at this is in Philly. This is in Philly. Yeah. I think we win. I think we shoot well and I think we win. I think they're going to play as tough for some stretch. I think there will be some stretches where it's going to be tough. It's not going to be this like 30-point blowout that we had earlier in the season. Oh, I think They're so. a different team. They're better. They are definitely better. Derrickson and Govan have greatly improved. Patrick Ewing has shown already to be a good big man coach. And I think that that's going to be a tough matchup uh, for our big man. It's a good test. It's actually a nice test going into the Big East tournament. It's a nice test. I, I agree with you. Their, their big men are definitely competent, and Ewing's done a decent job there already. Their weakness is their, their guard play. They don't have a really true point guard, which comes back to bite them continuously throughout yeah. the year. They just don't have – we talked about making the, the winning plays. They don't have somebody to put the ball in their hands to make the winning plays. So I hear your point. I think that – I think, frankly, it goes down the same way that the earlier game went down this season, and I think we win by 20-plus in this one again. And you're very confident in this last week. I'm very confident, yeah. I mean, it's. I think the. I think the Seton Hall one's going to be another one where the score isn't. I think it's a, a fifteen point win. I don't think the score is going to be indicative of how the game plays out. The Georgetown game. I don't. I don't see them showing up. The the only other thing I wanted to talk about was you. So you have a glut of teams in the middle of the conference. So you have Villanova and Xavier at top. Well, Xavier and Villanova on top. As painful as that is to say, and then you have DePaul. St. John's and Georgetown at the bottom. You got Marquette, who's kind of lingering. And then you have, like, what, like four, nine, and seven teams? Uh, You have Seton Hall, Butler, Creighton, and Providence all at nine and seven. Who do you think is going to wind up as the three seed? Give me your prediction, three, four, five, six in the Big East tournament. I think think if if you look at the schedule, Creighton's got DePaul to start off. And then they've got Marquette. Marquette won't be an easy one, but I think they've got the momentum. I think they pick up two wins. They'll probably get the three seed. Butler's got a tough a tough week. They've got Seton Hall and they've got St. John's, both of which could go either way. I think they'll pick up one of those, but not enough there. I think they'll probably end up with probably end up with the seed after that. Providence also a super tough week. They've got St. John's and like we talked about Xavier. I don't think they get it done. I think two losses for them. Oh, you think St. John's going to pick up a couple wins? I think St. John's picks up a couple, picks up at least one win. They'll pick up either Butler or or Providence. I think so. They've been playing well late, and I think they'll they'll take that momentum in there. 
And you think Seton Hall is going to go one on one? I think Seton Hall goes one on one. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a couple couple toss. Yeah, there, that, but... that's an interesting. It's just interesting how it's all going to work out. And then if you had to predict, how many teams does the Big East get in? I think the Big East, since since we are giving out bids as yeah. a charity case, you get right a now, bid. You get a bid. Everyone gets a everybody bid. Everybody gets a bid. You beat Villanova. Congratulations, you're in. I think that's more or less how it plays out. We're a lock. Xavier's a lock. At this point, I think uh, Creighton obviously think just Creighton picked locked up. It up. They basically just locked it up this weekend. That'll be nice. Butler, I think, more or less locked it up with their win against us, and then they've been playing decently enough to get in. And I think Providence also got a huge boost from beating us. If they finish out decently, then, yeah, I think they'll get Providence in. Providence needs to win a couple games to breathe easy on Selection Sunday. They're probably the one team that I really view as on the bubble. I think you got five definite. Marquette's definitely not getting in. And no, then, the, you lose to DePaul. I mean, they're, yeah. they're in a situation where, oh, it's basically must-win time. And then you go out and lose by eight to DePaul. You just yeah, can't do that. So Marquette's, do that. so Marquette's done. And then you got you know, Seton Hall, Butler, Creighton all definitely getting in. And then Providence is the one question mark. All right, cool. So that's looking ahead to the Big East. Exciting week. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see if Xavier falters and can gift us the Big East regular season championship. And if they don't, well, it's just time for the tournament. All right. So I think, yeah, I think it's let's take a break. So we'll take a break from our lone sponsor. We'll pause for a minute there, stay with us, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the FBI. Hey, friends. It's Chris here from The Full 40. Are you like me? And Love to look good, but hate shopping for new clothes? Try Bombfell, spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L. It is a stylist service for men. And how it works is really simple. Go on their website, and if you're a listener to the full 40, you actually get $25 off your first purchase. It is B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com backslash Full 40, F-U-L-L-4-0. If you do that, you can go on, you can log in, you put in some measurements, some things you're looking for, they got a great selection of clothes, and your stylist will pick out clothes for you every so often and send you a box. Whatever you like, you keep and you pay for, and whatever you don't like, you send back free of charge. It is a great service, I highly recommend it, and remember, Bombfell, open and close. Welcome back, listeners, to the second half of the full 40 minutes. Well, we're a little bit beyond halftime at this point, but it's more like the, the last quarter of it. But anyway, we're back. We're here to talk a little bit about this FBI probe. For those of you who may not have followed this quite as closely, the FBI has been conducting a probe into... What is more or less a pay-to-play scheme it's with felony bribery? Felony bribery, which is more or less a pay-to-play scheme for college athletes, and it basically boils down to agents and shoe companies funneling money to universities to make sure, and ultimately to recruits to make sure that these recruits end up at said universities, ultimately with said agents and potentially said shoe companies in the future. Definitely an interesting case. There's been some new information that's been leaked from Yahoo and from other releases of materials in the past few days, so we wanted to touch on that. In particular, two things came out. The first was a release that that Yahoo brought out 
that listed a ton of different players and coaches and essentially implicated them as having received some sort of compensation from agents, whether it be at dinners, straight up cash payments, whatever it is, loans, lots of different things, which was one. The second thing associated with this, probably far more damning and probably ended Sean Miller's career. I don't want to laugh about it, but it's, it's kind of bad. It's kind of funny. There was essentially a, a recording out there that yeah, Sean Miller... ESPN's report. This is ESPN's report. Sean Miller is basically on a is on record saying, not only am, are we, yes, going to pay to get DeAndre Ayton to come to the University of Arizona, but I am also going to be the point person and you should only deal with me during this recruitment and payment process. So his career is basically done. He didn't coach his team against Oregon this weekend. And frankly, I'd be shocked if he coaches again. So a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of moving pieces going on around the NCAA. We want to talk about it with the angle, a little bit of a Villanova, and then we'll see where it goes. But this is huge, has a lot of potentially large ramifications. Chris, what are your thoughts? So this is a this is actually I mean it's kind of funny in in some ways but it's actually not a laughing matter because you're talking about felony bribery right it's important to distinguish between the FBI investigation and then what the ensuing NCAA results going to be the FBI investigation is investi- like is fraud bribery like this is like actual crimes like things that we have as a society have determined are criminal offenses and this is not talking about oh yeah you're going to have to vacate your season as the biggest problem this is like jail time massive fines and penalties it's a, this goes beyond the normal college basketball scandal where the NCAA comes in and comes up with some type of results and then everyone complains and it's a big media fiasco this is this is a media fiasco but it's but we're talking about actual crime and i think that's an important point to bring up up front so what you're going to hear people kind of commenting on both sides Mm. kind of saying okay here's this fbi investigation and then what's that going to mean in the ncaa i think the people are the people who are implicated in this are far more concerned about the actual criminal record or potential criminal record. Yeah. Then I, I want to get away from blaming players. And what what do I mean by that? If you're a big time recruit, the NCAA is kind of a is kind of a corrupt system. And it's not all about the one and done. People say, oh, it's the one and done rule, blah, blah, blah. As if as if cheating never happened before the one and done rule. Like, come on. Oh, I love these media types. Don't you love these media types who oh, are we? Are we a media type now? I mean, we we have our own podcast. Yeah, is this our people now? This is our well, whatever. People, but you yeah. gotta love these people who are. I am shocked that this is going on. Like, really, really, you're shocked. You were way more involved in it than we ever were, right. and we weren't shocked. Yeah, no, of course not. And like, you hear like Titus and Tate talk about bad guys. And like, and how people are dropping bags and all this other stuff. Like, this stuff happens. And I'm not saying everyone, I'm not indicting the whole system. I'm not indicting everybody. But to pretend as if you're floored by these, by these allegations is beyond me. I want to throw up in my mouth when I hear Dick Vitale tweeting out all these things about, oh, I, am, I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. Yeah. Come on. 
one thing I wanted to also talk about here was that Yahoo report. Some, I was I was kind of annoyed at that report. Some Villanova players listed in the report. Yeah, by and the it's way, not so. only because of the Villanova players. So there's three. So let's rewind a little bit. The Yahoo report mentioned some coaches, and then they printed out or they had a picture, looked like an iPhone picture, kind of like yeah. a scan or something like that, of what amounted to one third of an internal balance sheet for the eight for this particular agency. As of 12-31-2015. Now, as an accountant, I actually feel like I could talk. I'm shocked. Please, that- please don't talk about this for much longer. <laughs> please don't. The one-third of a balance sheet doesn't tell you all that much. And it's internal. It clearly wasn't like an official accounting. And, and so, and so, what was on this balance sheet was, was essentially loan. It said, you know, loan to, to players. Lo, yeah, loans to players. You know, for example, like so, the Villanova players that were mentioned were Lowry, uh, Antonio Pena, and Malik Wayans. Right. I, the reason why I get annoyed by that because it's presented as this scandalous piece of information. But Kyle Lowry's been in the NBA for as of 2015, had been in the NBA for like nine years. You had Malik Waynes, who had been a pro for several years already. And Pena is playing overseas. So is Waynes playing overseas for several years. So – and they use them as an agent. So it's presented as this like wrongdoing thing. It's entirely possible that as one of the services provided by this agency that they provide loans or cash loans or something like that to, to players at a particular point in time. So just having them listed – and I'm, I'm mad about any player being listed, but just having those players listed made it seem like there was wrongdoing when there just probably wasn't. <laughs> Maybe not. It is still kind of weird, though, I will say. So there's like a, a cash loan for Kyle Lowry, which I'm like, yeah, Kyle Lowry's made $100 million plus million in his NBA career. It's like, I don't know how they set up their thing, but it seems a little bit fushy. But I'm, I'm kind of with you. This doesn't, especially the Villanova connection, doesn't seem to concern me too much. Seems a lot more innocuous than a lot of the other stuff on here. So there's there's that aspect. There's also this, there's a mention of vil, uh, conversations with Villanova co- coaches as well, which... I, I, I just hope that they weren't wearing wiretaps. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Is If they were, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend... Like Villanova, like I think Villanova fans like to think that Jay Wright runs this squeaky clean, nothing wrong happens here. We are just absolutely playing by all the rules all the time. And anytime the NCAA comes down on us for anything, like Omar, it's just the NCAA screw. I don't think that Jay Wright, I'm not saying that he runs a dirty program. That's not what I'm alleging. But to think that there isn't a little bit of bending rules or whatever. I just don't think that you get to a certain level of success the way the sport's set up. And we could talk about how corrupt and how brutal the stupid NCAA rules are. But I don't think that the way the sport's set up, it, it, it lends itself to this. You have to bend the rules to be successful. So I'm not going to sit here and think and pretend like I think Villanova's running this absolutely squeaky clean program. I think that that's a hallucination on Villanova fans' yeah. part, if I'm being candid. I don't know anything, but you hear things in the college basketball world. It's just no way. So, but but bottom line is like, do we think anything actually comes out of this? I think there will be. I, I think that there will be things that come out of this. Though so I thought it was funny. I saw a tweet over the weekend that said like, you know what? All these schools should play all these players and just let the NCAA figure it out. <laughs> 
It's like, what are you going to do? Cancel the whole season? Yeah, I know. It's true. Because <laughs> it, it, the list is the list is everybody. Everybody. Every top every top twenty five school is on that list. Yeah, you just can't avoid it. So, so what to make of it from Villanova's perspective? I don't think that there's going to be too much that comes out of this. I think we'll be fine. I'd be surprised from yeah. from other Big East schools' perspective. Edmund Sumner was was was, like was reference. Payment, yeah. He was playing for Xavier at that time. Then you had you had a couple other players in the Big East. I think I think Creighton had was gotten Creighton was, me- was mentioned in the report. Yeah. Mentioned in the report and Seton Hall. Oh, Seton Hall, Isaiah Whitehead was mentioned mentioned in the report. And that was the year that Seton Hall beat us in the Big East Championship. So it's possible that they have to vacate that season. Never know. But, I mean, the one thing is, is like, okay, yeah, am I going to really trust this this, this – so we already know this firm is majorly implicated in doing a lot of – Wrong stuff. The the right? agent the agents the, ASM, the agency ASM, yeah. yeah ASM agency is implicated in doing a lot of wrong stuff. Now all of a sudden I'm going to trust their financial records as like as like clean. So they have to do the FBI's got to do some auditing. They got to corroborate this information, etc. That report didn't tell us all that much in my opinion. We'll see what happens next. Yeah. The the Sean Miller report though that's bad. The Sean Miller it's so bad. It's his career is a hundred percent over, and you know it's we the wiretap thing we touched on earlier and said yeah it's bad. I do feel a little bit bad for Sean Miller because Sean Miller clearly went to the effort of saying hey look I don't want this in text or a written form, so I'm going to make the effort to make a phone call. So there's no record of it. Little did he know he was going to get wiretapped, and now he's absolutely paying for it. Yeah, as you know, you don't put anything in writing you don't want to come held of against course. you. <laughs> he got wiretapped. Basic, basic fraud one hundred and one. Yeah, and he tried his best, but it just didn't pan out. I mean, he's gonna be okay. His buyout. The crazy thing is, he's got a clause in his contract. His contract thing is crazy. So he's, if he gets fired with cause, he's due. $10 million from the University of Arizona. So the University of Arizona says, yes, we have a justified reason to fire you, and we'll give you $10 million out the door. It's a hell of a severance package. It's great. I wish I had a fraction of that, but I don't. Uh, so, oh, yeah. So he'll, he'll have some legal fees and he, things like that yeah, to deal with. Like you mentioned, his issue is going to be more on the on the federal side of things. So Yeah. Yeah, he'll be happy just to deal with some vacated seasons and uh, and and getting fired. If that's the only punishment for him... I think he'll actually take that as a win. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Um, and it's a shame. Like you said, there's there's a whole system around this thing that is making it really challenging for for the athletes and making it challenging and contributing to this, this school setup. Like, if you think about it, we're basically saying, the NCAA is basically saying, hey, you're a talented 18, 19-year-old kid who knows you're going to go pro, you are not allowed to to sign with an agent and to do that in any form of construct. So the result is you now have all these handlers, you've got guys in your ear, and you've essentially set up this black market where people are trying to tell you one thing, push you in one direction, when you could easily just set up a structure that makes this a formal process. It's akin to like if you – if you went to you know a junior in college and said, hey, you know, you've got to go figure out your career, but nobody's allowed to help you do it. 
You can't use career services. You can't use any of our recruiting platforms. You just have to figure out how to do it. Like, that's crazy. It's craziness. It's craziness. And the crazy thing is that hockey, I think hockey and baseball actually allow you to have formal relationships with agents. I was reading this. That's, that's, so, so why basketball and football can't? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Right? Like, that's weird. And then, and then, and then, uh, this kind of goes into like the one and done, and people acting. Oh, I love this! Like, oh, you, you should stay in school. Like, oh, there Wisconsin game today. I was watching the Wisconsin game. Miles Bridges is playing. Uh, sorry, Miles Bridges and Michigan State is playing against Wisconsin. And at the end of the game, Wisconsin fans are cheating at him. You're a cheater. You're a cheater. You're a cheater. The allegation for Miles Bridges is that he received like four hundred dollars worth like meals. His mom received four hundred. Mom's mom received four hundred dollars. Cheater, really? Miles Bridges would have been a lottery pick last year. He stayed in school, which is what everyone says. Like, oh, you're supposed to do that. Which I want to get to that. But like, he stays in school. He stays in school and decides, I am going to, I am going to play and try and win a national championship. Really, do you think the kid received an impermissible benefit or his mom for pay, for receiving four hundred bucks? Give me a break! Yeah. Like the kid is could have made tens of millions of dollars last year and for and, and decided to forego it to try and win a championship in college. Like, and then and then I want to get to this ad. Oh, the admirable decision is to stay in school longer. Give me a break! Like if if my accounting firm came to me after my freshman year and said, you know what? You're a really talented professional or you're going to be a professional. They would I, never have said that to you. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, no question. But if they did, went up to me and said, oh, we'll pay you 50 grand to, to come work right out of college if you have, to, you have to forego the rest of your college experience, I'd be like, sign me up. Hell yeah. And that's not even like 20, these tens of millions of dollars that these kids are going to make. Like 50 grand, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I loved college, loved my experience at Villanova, but I'm sorry, I would have foregone all of it. $50,000 a year as an 18-year-old, no question. Yeah, because you're 18, you're 19 years old, and that's a lot of money, and it looks good. So, look, we've there's so many different angles to this. We'll see how it plays out. I think the, the synopsis is that Right now, from a Villanova perspective, I don't really expect there to be a whole lot of noise. We actually came out pretty scot free in this, and we'll see. So what, far, so far, we'll see what continues to come out in the coming months. I will. Before we we jump off, I will leave our listeners with um, this headline that was on. I want to say it was Sports Pickle, and I just thought it was amazing. And it goes back to our our favorite Kevin Stallings, the coach of Pitt. And the headline was, Kevin Stallings caught by FBI offering $100,000 to anyone who would attend a Pitt basketball game. <laughs> and that, that is the state of Pitt basketball, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, they had, what, seven points? Seven points in, in the, the first, first half, half against yeah. Virginia. Amazing. Now, obviously, Virginia's got defense, good defense, but seven points. So bad. It's oh, so bad. man. We could, do, we could do like a handful of... How's that going for you from Oh, my Pitt's. God. It's so we bad. We already did that one already. So bad. But anyway, all right. I think that's it for today, guys. We'll wrap it up. We'll be back midweek after we hopefully pick up a W and march towards, knock on wood, maybe picking up a conference championship. Thanks again for listening. Uh, As always, check us out on Twitter. We are at the full 40. That's the full four zero. Instagram, it's the same handle. That's all we got. And as always, let's go Nova. Let's go Nova. Nova.